Everyone has a story. Stories of adversity, stories of perseverance, stories of accomplishments, and maybe even stories that will make others laugh. No matter the story, we can be inspired and motivated by them. Most of all, we can learn from them. This is the Big Peach Ride Run Podcast, hosted by me, Dave D2 Martinez, and I want to hear your story. Welcome to the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast, and yes, I'm your host, Dave Dolomite D2 Martinez, and yes, this is uh, episode 140, and uh, and yeah, we're off to a great year um, uh, for 2023. Um, I know that by this point of this uh, episode that uh, according to reports that uh, a lot of people that start off with uh, resolutions have probably already quit them by now. And I hope that that is not the case for you. Um, as I said, I don't believe in resolutions. I believe in goals and setting those goals and setting up uh, a plan, uh, a system to achieve those goals. And so, as I mentioned on the previous uh, podcast, and I think some of you may kind of been wondering, you know, where where I've landed on my goals and my goal setting and and my plans. And so, I did sort of kind of say that I was looking forward to registering and uh, to do a, you know a, a new challenge for this year, and that was the Leadville Trail Marathon. And uh, I have good news. I did get in, um, so that uh, race takes place on June seventeenth. So um, it is a uh, a race that starts at uh, just above ten thousand feet in elevation, and climbs to uh, uh, over thirteen thousand uh, feet in elevation. So there'll be uh, more than three thousand feet of elevation gain, and uh, and so you know be running at altitude. And uh, so how do I prepare for it? You know, as I'm looking at uh, at my training, obviously. We'll be doing a lot of running, but I figured I need some races um, on my calendar to kind of help get me to that point. That'll be those kind of mile markers to kind of um, motivate me to get that training in and also kind of as a way of evaluating how my training is going. So right now, I've sort of kind of been looking on the uh, ultra sign-up page, trying to see kind of what races are uh, on the calendar that uh, lead up to um, to those. And, you know, uh, very quickly, some kind of pop up, you know, um, and some are, are fairly, one's new that just came across my radar that I've never heard of, and uh, that's the Coyote Ugly 30K and 50K, and that takes place on March 4th. So I'm looking at at that, I'm gonna look at my calendar and make sure I can make that work. Um, not sure if I'll go for the 30k or 50k. It probably makes sense to probably start off with a 30k um, and just sort of kind of see how I, I feel. Um, but it'll depend, I think, on the on the course. I think it will be a challenging course. It's in LJ, which is definitely uh, North Georgia, so I'm expecting a lot of climbing. So we'll kind of see. And then there's the uh, Helen back uh, marathon. So that's a uh, yeah 26.2. That takes place in April. 22nd. That's put on by uh, Guts, uh, so uh, the Georgia Ultra Trail Running Society, um, and uh, so that'll be one I'm uh, I'll, I'll definitely will put on my calendar because that actually will have 3,000 feet of elevation, although not at the same altitude. But it may mimic a little bit of what the course and what I can kind of expect as far as the um, the degree of change in elevation. So those are ones that I'm that I'm looking forward. So uh, those are my goals. I still have more, uh, you know, uh, things to kind of look at and and set for the rest of the year. Um, but uh, so that's where I'm at right now. And uh, I think maybe at the at the end I'll discuss a little bit more some of my other goals. But first I want to get to our featured guest this week. Um, her name is Lindsay Walter. And it's someone that you know, across my uh, uh, social media feed, um, you know, uh, probably about a year and a half ago, um, we were both uh, ambassadors for the brand Rabbit, and uh, I would see her on our group page, um, you know, posting what races she was doing, and you know, it's one of those things where I you, know, you you see a picture of someone, and you automatically kind of make a judgment or um, have a perception of what that person, you know. Um, is maybe going through or is, 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 you know, has gone through based on their appearance. And she, you know, has no hair on her head, you know, she's bald. And so immediately the thought is that she's, you know, maybe has cancer and is going through chemo because that's sort of kind of the perception that we tend to see through media is, you know, and, uh, you know, 
I was, you know, very supportive of the races he was doing and, you know, commenting and, you know, hitting the thumbs up and like button on uh, the social media pages. But I wanted to find out a little bit more about, you know, who she was and, and you know, what she was going through and found out that um, she, you know, grew up, um, you know, with alopecia. It's something that affected her at, at two years old. And she's kind of had to struggle um, a, a bit through her childhood with that and overcoming, uh, I guess, the stigma that comes around it. Um, the idea that, you know, the perception that, you know, only, uh, you know, uh, you know, women can only be pretty if they have hair or they can only be beautiful if, if they have hair. And, and, you know, there's a lot of bullying and, and mean comments, um, that were, that, that, uh, that she had to kind of, you know, endure, um, growing up. But, you know, in this age of social media, that still happens where people have this, you know, they hide behind the wall of anonymity, um, and will post something or comment on something and say something mean spirited to her. And yet through all that, um, she has, you know, transformed her life, uh, her outlook. She is a very, uh, positive, uh, individual, uh, very motivated. Uh, her running resume is, is very impressive. Um, I think it's something that, you know, I think, you know, maybe 10 years down the road, uh, her name, Lindsay Walter may, you know, at the, at the, at the race she's going will, will become more well-known. Um, and it won't be because, you know, she has alopecia. I think it'll be, she'll be known more because of her running accomplishments. And I know that's something that, you know, while she has alopecia, it's not entirely who she is. It does not define her. And she shares her story and tells her us a, a little bit of what she's kind of gone through. Um, and we talk a little bit more about her running resume, um, and, uh, some of the impressive thing that she's doing. Um, and, uh, so I think you'll be inspired by it. I think you, you, you know, you'll be able to kind of relate to some of the things that she's kind of gone, gone through and hopefully you'll find some motivation and inspiration, um, through her story and through, through the stuff that she's doing. Uh, I know I have, and I'm a big fan of hers, um, especially after, you know, speaking to her and, uh, I will you know, continue to cheer her on as she reaches for these goals and continue to inspire others. So we'll have her story right after this break. At Big Peach Running Company, we take pride in listening to your needs. We take into account the shape of your feet, previous injuries, and activity level to guide you to comfortable shoes for your feet. Whether you're a runner, walker, fitness enthusiast, or simply need comfortable shoes to wear, we offer the best customer experience in the friendliest environment. It's no wonder we've been voted one of the best running stores in America by our fans. Visit any of our nine Big Peach Running Company locations for a free fit assessment and video gate analysis. Go to BigPeachRunningCompany.com to learn more. All right, welcome back, everyone, and I am uh, excited to have uh, Lindsay Walter here on the on the podcast. Um, so, you know, she crossed my social media feeds, uh, you know, uh, a year or so ago. Um, and, and, you know, I'm I've, I'm a rad rabbit, uh, a rabbit uh, ambassador, and she was at the time as well. So I saw her posting through that group, and it was one of those things where you know, visually you see an image and you have this perception, you know, and, you know, if, 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 you know, obviously this is all audio, so you can't see, uh, Lindsay or myself, but, you know, what I saw was what, and what I perceived was not actually the true story. So I went ahead and sort of kind of did a little bit of research and checked out her social media feed and found out a little bit more about her. And that sort of kind of, you know, um, you know, got me interested into Lindsay's story and kind of what she's kind of gone through. And I think many of our listeners could probably relate, even if you don't uh, have the, uh, you know, the exact same condition that Lindsay has. So welcome, Lindsay, to the, you know, podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Well, you know, I, like I said, it's one of those things when I first saw you and I know it's, you've posted on your social media, you know, certain things because, you know, as we kind of, you know, visually when we first see someone, we have this perception and, you know, Lindsay has no hair, you know, and it's one of those things where someone could easily, and I thought that maybe you were a cancer survivor or you were going through chemo or something like that. But you have um, you have alopecia universalis, which is total body hair loss, and that's a condition you've had since you were about two years old. 
And, you know, you know, those are things, and we'll get a little bit more into that story, but, you know, just to start off a little bit, I think it's one of those things, because I've seen you post this on social media, where people will come up to you with this preconceived notion that they know based on visually how you look, and they'll say something to you. So talk a little bit about that, because I want to give you sort of kind of a bit of a platform, but also to those, you know, that don't know, but also make us maybe a little bit more aware and sometimes think before we speak or sometimes don't say anything at all. Yeah, um, thank you. So I have mixed feelings on that. Um, I think it kind of depends on the demeanor and the approach by every person. It's kind of an individual case, I would say. Um, and I think, you know, it always catches me off guard. And, you know, sometimes if someone approaches me and says, you know, my sister is sick went through cancer or something like that like I understand like where they're coming from so I always try to extend people grace but I think also too like it's a very fine line between just you know are you doing that because it's like self-serving for you or you're just being nosy or curious I think you kind of have to check yourself on what your motive is behind that and most of the time, you know, I can say like, no, it's alopecia. And people are like, oh, a form of cancer. And it's like, no, it's alopecia. It's an autoimmune hair loss condition. And honestly, sometimes like I just I don't want to talk about it. I want to go to the store and just, you know, do my thing and just not have to think about it, explain myself all the time. Um, and so that can be difficult. It also you know, times where it makes me feel super self-conscious, like, oh, I must look like I'm sick, that someone would think that people not being educated on alopecia. And I think people also feel a little bit too empowered at times to kind of say things and approach me. Um, I think, you know, when I see someone and I, you know, can see that they're going through something or whatnot, I, you know, keep those comments to myself. Um, you can pray for someone just without making it known that's what you're doing. Um, so I don't know. I think, yeah, it's just mixed feelings. I think it depends on my mood, the situation, their demeanor. I do want to educate people on alopecia, but I also think sometimes it's just not people's business. And if you are going to approach someone, I would say maybe check your motives and make sure that you're 100% before you go up and just say something like that to someone. Um, especially, you know, alopecia is really hard. It's not just hair. There's so much that goes into it, you know, the emotional side of it. And, you know, you don't really know where someone is at with their alopecia journey and just, just like the emotional side of it. And you don't know like how triggering that could be for them. Um, so yeah, it kind of just depends, honestly. Well, and, and exactly. I mean, I think it's one of the things that it's not something that's well known, so it's not well understood. And, you know, last year, um, it became sort of kind of this national kind of, you know, I guess scandal because of what happened at the award show, right? You know, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith and, you know, you, I saw were reached out to comment, um, you know, because of, you know, you have alopecia and Jada Pinkett Smith, same thing. People were trying to understand, but you, I know were approached by that and to try to kind of, you know, explain a little bit of what that's like for people that didn't know or were unfamiliar to sort of kind of make people more aware of what alopecia is. Um, but as you said, there's things that are kind of trigger, triggering and things that are, I guess, emotional uh, and, you know, so let's kind of go back a, a bit into your story so that people truly understand so that if they see someone, you know, and they can, like you said, check their motives, you know, check why would they approach you, you know, to either ask or question or, you know, say something to you and, you know, why not just accept you for who you are, regardless of what you look like, you know, especially if they don't know you. Why would someone, a stranger, come up and comment on the on your appearance? Um, so let's get into that a little bit because, as I said, you know, you, you know, this is something that happened to you when you were two years old. So this is something you've known your entire life. So share um, with individuals what it was like growing up with alopecia and sort of kind of what you know you had to kind of overcome. Um, to the point where you are now, where you are now more comfortable with who you are and your appearance, where that's something that, 
you know, at an early age, you were not. Yeah. Um, so I was born with hair and then when I was about two, it all fell out. It fell out pretty quickly. Um, and honestly, since I was so young, I don't really remember much of just the original diagnosis and how I was feeling, but my very first like real memory of it is when I went to preschool um i wore a wig just because there was no one in my school or community social media wasn't really a thing um so there's no way to really connect with other people so it's just like a very isolating overwhelming like lonely feeling just having no one to talk to who like really understood and so just to kind of fit in with all of my peers i wore a wig it always it never truly felt like me and it was uncomfortable um, but it's kind of all I knew just because I wanted to just look like all my peers. Um, I knew it was, it was hard. Um, kids were not nice to me since I have universalis. I don't have any eyebrows. I have them tattooed on now, but at, you know, when I was younger, I didn't. So not having eyebrows, uh, very few eyelashes. And so obviously like I look very different, even if I was wearing a wig and even with a wig, like it's still a wig. Like there are ways that you wear it and it's still, it just doesn't look like real hair because it's not. Um, it was hard. Kids would bully and tease me all the time. They would call me a boy, which was like such, even to this day is like such a trigger for me um, to be referenced as a male because I don't have hair. And I didn't have like the confidence in myself to stick up to kids. Um, I didn't tell teachers, I didn't talk about it. And when they would make fun of me, I allowed it just because the things that they said, I felt like they were true. I you know, was made to believe that girls are pretty when they have hair. So growing up was really hard. Um, I was very fortunate to be blessed with athletic ability in the game of basketball. And that just became like such a healthy outlet for me. So I was able to kind of turn my focus towards basketball, especially in high school and middle school. Um, and, you know, that helped me to deal with the bullying. It didn't go away, but it was hard. Even then, like there was still no one in my school or community with it. But having like this healthy distraction was such an incredible blessing for me because I just became like focused on that. Like I did well in school and then just had these goals to like play basketball in college and do all of that. And was able to receive like several scholarship offers and whatnot. Um, then I went to college, played basketball. I was still very much struggling with my alopecia. I didn't tell people about it. And it was just hard. College is, you know, a hard time just kind of navigating early adulthood and kind of all of that. And just looking back at the extremes I went to to hide my alopecia, obviously basketball, you know, you're running around, very sweaty, all of that. I used double-sided tape and wig glue to keep my wig on. And, you know, it would cut up my head just like these open sores and it hurts so bad. But like that and just like the lengths I went to to kind of hide my alopecia, even though you could tell it was a wig just by the way it was styled, you know, it's a cap. So when it fits on the back of your head, there's like space back there. And I would try to wear a thick headband. And again, like not having eyebrows, very few eyelashes, you know, you could just tell that, you know, I had something, something different, even if you didn't know it was alopecia. That along with middle school, it was just like the hardest time with dealing with like super mean people and bullies. Um, and so, yeah, kind of going through all of that. Um, but that's also when I ran my first marathon, my senior year in college, um, just being like naturally competitive and just like always loving sports and all of that. I had, I went to college in Duluth, Minnesota. So that's where grandma's marathon is. And I would watch it every summer with my friends and thought, oh, a marathon, like that's amazing. I always wanted to do that after watching it just to cross it off my bucket list, just because I thought, oh, a marathon, like I was never a runner before that, you know, just basketball. And I just remember signing up for grandma's trained very little um didn't drink any water during the race you know I just did so many things um that you shouldn't do but anyways um just running I just will never forget just running down like superior and just like the people I just loved and I felt so embraced and just like a part of the running community even though like that was my first ever running race and no one you know I felt like was looking at me differently because of my alopecia I felt so included and welcome just like how encouraging runners were I remember crossing the finish line and knew like I wanted to take up marathons and so after I finished grandma's was done with college and all of that 
Um, I started just to run marathons and, you know, learned so much about running. And I loved the training and just like the individual side of it. And the more I was running marathons, the more confidence I was gaining in myself, I think just because it is like an individual sport. And I loved that. And, you know, after being on team sports my whole life, I just loved running and that like, you know, I was the one kind of in charge. I felt so empowered. There's just something about running and just the paces, 26.2 miles, just all of that. And so, you know, it was like a very long time coming. But, you know, through that, my alopecia, I, you know, was feeling more comfortable in like who I was and also coming to the realization, really just my reality that I didn't want to face is that my hair is never coming back. And I just like need to can take take control of my alopecia instead of always letting it control me. And so, you know, starting with like super small goals and like having that build, you know, telling a few super close friends about my alopecia, going to the store with maybe a bandana or a hat on or something, just not my wig was huge for me. And, you know, it took several months of just doing those small things, but it eventually led to me not wearing my wig and hanging it up for good. Looking back, I'll never forget the training run that I took my wig off. Again, I went to extreme lengths to keep my wig on running marathons for several years, just because of like how uncomfortable I felt, but I also felt so uncomfortable with it on. And it was just like this most empowering feeling. And it happened right on the greenway here in Charlotte at this certain spot. And whenever I'm feeling just kind of like emotional or just having like a rough day or whatnot, I always run by that spot. And it's just so empowering to me just to know like how far I've come was really just like through running that I really credit a lot of just like my self-confidence too. So yeah, hanging up my wig and then just continuing to run and like set goals and just like work hard. But that's a little bit of my backstory just with my alopecia. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where I hear it and, you know, and, and I know, you know, as you mentioned, you know, being bullied and all that. I mean, that's, you know, I, I don't know why, you know, as kids, we tend to be mean, you know, and we, we even see it now as, a, as adults, you know, there's still people out there that are, that are being mean and, and, you know, are bullying. And, you know, we've seen through, you know, recent years, the rise of cyber bullying and just people sort of kind of voicing their opinion or making a comment, you know, on social media, just for the sake of, I don't, I don't know why, you know, but they just do it. You know, I don't know whether it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's a way to make, you know, oneself feel better or more superior over another person. That's the only reason I could think of why anyone would comment. Um, so it's, it's unfortunate that's something that you had to kind of go through. However, and you've said this, you know, is that, you know, now you are, are sort of kind of, you, you embrace that because it's who you are now. It's what's made you, you know, the person that you are today. Um, and I, you know, I, I try to kind of, you know, um, you know, try to empathize and try to, you know, see kind of what, you know, you're kind of going through or have, have gone through. And I don't know that anyone, unless you truly have alopecia, could really truly understand. You know, myself, you know, I, you know, just last year I shaved my head. And I did it for the sake of I was thinning and it's just one of those things that I was like, and like I said, it's no way in comparison to what you're, you've gone through, but I do find myself being self-conscious about it because I'm still not used to it. I'm still not used to, you know, it's, it's getting better where I'm like, I look in the mirror and I'm like, okay, yep, that's who I am. The first couple of days, I'm like, who is that staring back at me? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I still, there's times where I go out in public and I wear a hat, you know, um, it's, and you know, in the summer, it's like, oh, it's the sun. It's, I don't want to get sunburned or in the winter, it's like, oh, it's too cold. Cause I notice even a slight draft. I notice now where I didn't before, you know? <laughs> so like I said, it's in no way, you know, kind of, you know, you know, in nowhere near what you've experienced, but I can sort of kind of get a little bit of, of that, you know, understanding of maybe kind of what you experience, but I've obviously haven't had any of the bullying or any of that, or at least I, no one's come up to me to say anything. Um, but I think it's different as a, as a man, you know, um, it's sort of more accepted or, or seen, especially as you get older, you know, like, Oh, he's thinning or he's bald or whatever. It's no big deal, but it's different for women, especially at an early age. And I think it's one of those things that I don't think anyone will truly understand unless, you know, um, you know, they've gone through it themselves and they have alopecia as well. 
So one of the things that you did say, and I want to kind of, because I think this is impressive. I mean, you said you played, you know, basketball through college and I saw that, you know, this past year you were honored and uh, put into the Slinger High School Hall of Fame. So you were honored for your skills, yep. <laughs> you know, which is, I, I, I mean, I think that's awesome, uh, you know, that, you know, years, at, yeah, you know, you set some, some records at the school and that you're being remembered and being honored and to go back, you know, because as you said, you didn't, you know, take the wig off until, you know, after college, right? So here you're going yep. back to high school. What was that like to go back there now feeling more confident without a wig, what was that like to go back there? And, and So going back to the high school, it was amazing and, but also so emotional. Um, I think just remembering like stepping foot into the gym and just like how special that was is so memorable, you know, breaking school records and just all of that was amazing to have my coach there who was so supportive. Um, but then also thinking back to all of the really hard times, like all of the kids who were mean, all of the opponents who would make comments, you know, I don't hold a grudge against anyone, but it's also things that I will never forget. And it was emotional just, you know, looking back at photos and just like seeing things. And I remember myself, like how much I struggled with my alopecia, like how hard that was, but like no one really knew it. But I just looked at photos and so yeah, that was really emotional for me, but it was also so empowering just to see of how much I've grown in the last, I guess that was 2009 I graduated. So yeah, the last like 12, 13 years, um, just like the strength and everything that I've like overcome in the person I am now. Um, I just think back to being in high school and I always wanted to be okay with my alopecia and I never really thought I would be and I didn't really know like what that would look like I never thought I would be a marathon and ultra marathon runner and just looking at my life now today and just how different it is from high school I also feel really proud of myself for just owning my alopecia and embracing it and everything I've been able to do um so yeah it was emotional it was unforgettable and just so so special well, that's, that's, that's great to hear that uh, you were able to at least to go back and sort of kind of put that behind you, but, you know, at the same time, uh, feel even more empowered and to see your own growth, you know, and, and, and to see the, that you've changed and you're stronger um, since high school. Um, so that's awesome uh, to hear. So let's get back. Let's go. Let's talk about running now. Okay. Let's, cause you know, that's one of those things that I, as I was kind of going researching, I was like, wow, you've got an impressive, you know, resume you know, of, of races. So you wanted, you know, you've got this goal, uh, you know, and I don't know exactly what it is. If it's, is it a hundred marathons you want to run? I mean, I guess my lifetime, I would like to do that. I feel like my goal with that has like changed so much. I think it's something cool to do. Um, but I think I always want to run a race well. So it's not just like, Oh, I want to, you know, run five marathons a year. Like I want to do well. Um, but yeah, in my lifetime, yeah, I would love to do a hundred. Well, I mean, you're halfway there and, and you've only, yeah. and you, and you've only been running for what, like you said, like a few, you know, what, less than 10 years. Um, yeah, 10, 10 years, ten, yep. about 10 years and you got 50 already in. So you're halfway there in 10 years, which is impressive. Um, so, you know, at this point you're, um, the last one I think you did was, Marine Corps, that was 51. You did Berlin also yeah. last year, and that was 50. You've got uh, mm -hmm. London Marathon coming up, so that'll be 52. So pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, uh, you know, typically, how many marathons are you doing a year? Um, You know, um, definitely a lot more before the pandemic. During the pandemic is when I really picked up ultras and love it. And so I feel like that's also why the goal has changed just because I love ultra running. I love the big distances so much. Um, but in the beginning, it was honestly just something that was really fun and empowering. I mean, it still is fun, but just kind of the reason behind it has changed. Um, but yeah, I don't know, just as many as I wanted to do. I, yeah, I was feeling good. So I just kept running. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I think obviously your athletic, you know, uh, you know, interest at, at a younger age has definitely helped you and carried you into, you know, marathons because I've seen some of your times and it's pretty impressive. I mean, your first marathon, I think was a little over four hours and you said that that was, 
you didn't drink any water. You know, I had a horrible first marathon and I wanted to get under four hours and it took me four hours and 20 minutes and I was drinking water. I was in a lot of pain. I suffered through my first one and, and you did it and you suffered as well, especially if you didn't drink any water, but you've gone on and you like, you know, I've seen some of your, your, your training that you posted and it's like, it's, you're, you're fast. I mean, you're doing very, very well. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, how do you, how do you kind of uh, recover from, because for me, that's always been the hardest part is, you know, is, is there's a training that goes into it that takes a lot and there's a recovery of those long miles. And then there's a recovery after the race. And I've seen where you've done, you know, like, I think you did like a, a hundred miles or something like that. And then two days later you're out running and, you know, I'm like, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? How do you recover from that? Cause obviously you've got to put in a lot of miles to get those type of training. So how do you recover from it? So, I mean, I do really well with high mileage that works the best for me, but also it's like every single morning I'm stretching, I'm foam rolling. I do it before I go to bed. After every run, I do yoga, cross train with the Stairmaster a ton. And I feel like like I credit a lot of that to just doing the little things. Like, do I always want to stretch after? No. Or, you know, wake up 20 minutes earlier to do that? Of course not. But I also know, like, if that's going to help me stay injury free and be able to keep running, then it's just, it's like a no brainer. Like, why would I not do that? Um, so I think like, that's a huge part of it. And also like, just enjoying like my easy runs like when I don't have to run fast like I'm not running fast and I think that definitely is something that took me a while to learn and really implement because I was like oh no I have to run fast all the time like that's how I'm gonna you know get the time I want and when you know I made that shift to just really keeping it easy it's easy to recover like when you're running easy and I think especially with all of those ultras I did kind of in that year and a half span kind of same thing I think it's just a lot easier on my body just like running slower and not really worrying about pace, but, you know, time on feet and things like that. Um, but yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm looking at what you're, what you've done and it's, uh, impressive. Like I said, you did, uh, just last year, I see that you did a 50 K a 50 miler. You did a, a 12 hour ultra, which was 64 miles. You did a hundred miler and you actually, I believe got first place female. Um, you did a 48 hour ultra as well. And that was 160 miles. Um, I think, yeah, you also placed first place in that, uh, in that, uh, first place female in that 50 K second overall. Um, and so it's, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, it's, it's impressive. I mean, um, now as far as now that you've gotten into ultra and, you know, and doing those type of distances, is there one you prefer, uh, you know, as far as like, do you prefer road running? Do you prefer, you know, that 26.2 miles or do you prefer that 50 K and up type of, uh, distance? I think for me, just knowing I've ran a lot of marathons, there's a few that I would still like to do. So example, like London is one of those. So getting to do a race like that, I think just picking and choosing like what marathons I want to do instead of just, you know, trying to run a bunch. There's, I kind of want to just do the ones I want to do. Um, but I love the 100 milers. There's just something about like the, first of all, the distance, um, but the overnight miles and like when it gets really hard, I feel like that also is like huge strength, a huge strength of mine. Think back to like that 48 hour race, just cause we went overnight two times. Um, that's when I was really able to like gain a lot of distance, just like the mental discipline it takes to keep going through the night and to just kind of will yourself. Like when you get tired, you're hungry and just kind of all of that, that, you know, has just been like the story of my life is just being like mentally tough and just like getting through things and not quitting. And so, yeah, I love like that mental side of ultras um, and just like the, the, the bigger miles. Um, I mean, I've, I've gone up to 50 K and I haven't quite, you know, I've had people say, oh, you got to do a hundred, you got to do a hundred. And there's that part of me that just quite hasn't in my brain, it hasn't ticked yet that says, yes, I need to do a hundred because I do think it's something that, you know, at regardless of whatever distance, I think it's something you have to want to do. Whether it's a 5k, a 10k, a marathon, mm -hmm. you have to want to do it because if you want to do it, then you're more likely to put in the time, the effort and the commitment to train and to complete that distance. And my mind can't wrap you know, the, around the idea of doing a hundred, I can't yet say, yes, it's something inside of me that says I need to do that distance. Um, but you know, you, 
make it seem like it's, you know, just the way you talk about it makes it seem like it's so enjoyable. Like it's like not, doesn't hurt, you know, it's like, oh yeah, it's you know, my favorite. It's a hundred miles. Like it's just a walk in the park. And, you know, but you know, what does your training look like training for a hundred milers? Um, so yeah, so going for a lot of time on feet, um, I definitely do run most of those, but it's a lot of back-to-back long runs where I feel like in the marathon, you usually really have like one long run a week, but with a hundred miles, it's like back-to-back. So you're running on tired legs, also climbing the Stairmaster a ton. Um, but yeah, just high mileage. I enjoy that. So like when I was training for that 48 hour, just kind of peaking out around like over a hundred miles a week, um, which is a lot, but I enjoyed that. And yeah, again, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go and do six hours, not necessarily, oh, I'm going to run, you know, 30 miles. It would be like six hours, you know, so kind of breaking up like that. I feel like mentally that also makes it easier to kind of be training and to like keep moving, figuring out like the nutrition behind it, the hydration, all that. There's so much that goes into it. Um, and kind of what you said to you're absolutely right with you have to be motivated and like you have to want to do it. You can't go in and being like, oh, 100, like I guess I'll kind of train for it because if you don't train the way you should, like it's going to be a miserable experience. But I think like when you put the training in and you put the work in, you'll show up to the start line, like confident in that. And so that has what has really helped me just because I know I've like put the work in. And so the experience is a lot more enjoyable because I know it's going to hurt and I know it's going to be hard, but that's also why you train. Like, you know, I would wake up and I would do runs through the night just to get used to that. So knowing that I've prepared myself as well as I could, just really help the experience be so much better. Of course, there was really hard miles and like really hard stretches and just kind of dealing with like different problems that can come up. Um, But also just putting in the work at the end of the day, like no matter what it is, whether it's a hundred mile or marathon 5k, like you have to put in the work. And so, but also when you do, then you have confidence in that to do well. Well, yeah, I, I think it, the key there, like you said, uh, I mean, I think it's also those little things that you mentioned, right? It's that foam rolling, that stretching and all that, that helps uh, as well. Um, do you do any like uh, two-a-days? Do you like run in the morning, run in the evening? Does that, is that part of that as well? Or is it just the back-to-back days? Um, so I don't usually do two-a-days running, but I will do two-a-days with running and then the Stairmaster. I love the Stairmaster. I feel like it's so beneficial especially when you're kind of using it the right way, but that is like my favorite training tool. And so, yeah, running in the morning and then the, and then the Stairmaster later is definitely something I did a ton. Just noticed like a huge difference, which is like how much stronger I felt um, from just like endurance wise strength and just like the mental side of, you know, staying on the Stairmaster for hours sometimes. (laughs) Did you say hours? Yes. So is, is, is that what you mean by, Plural. by do, getting on the Stairmaster and doing it right? Is that the key is the hours on the Stairmaster? Is that's what, what's doing it right? Cause that's when you said doing it right. I was like, what do you mean by doing it right? <laughs> I do uh, kind of like a two part thing. Um, use not right. like there's a right way as far as like form, like you don't want to be like hunched over and all of that. Like there's a right way to be climbing the Stairmaster. But then, yes, also, like, the endurance side of it, like, for hours, um, just you have to go for, like, time on that. You also have to build in. You can't just hop on it one day and say, oh, I'm going to go for an hour, you know. But I think, like, utilizing it um, with the right form, doing it as, like, an integral workout. So you're not just, you know, climbing at a level six, you know. And I make, like, a fun little pattern. And so that helps the time go by quickly. But then again, like, it just helps with, like, hills and strength and, and everything. Okay. Yeah, that, uh, that, that makes sense. In my first, uh, 50 K I actually was, uh, running with a, a gentleman and, uh, he was, uh, I'd say I was eight or 10 years older than, than I am. And on the climbs I'm running as you know, and by running, I mean, it was like a nice jog, just taking short steps and he's power hiking. And I had a hard time keeping up with him, um, to the point that, you know, I think it was around, you know, mile 10 or 12 that he started pulling ahead and dropped me. I, and he finished, I think 30 minutes ahead of me. 
and, and I think it was, he did a lot of strength work as far as on the legs and, and just, and, you know, here I am trying to run and I couldn't keep up with him. So I think that's, you know, a lot of the hiking and just, like you said, it, on a Stairmaster that I think ends up, uh, you know, helping out as well. So that's interesting. Um, as far as, you know, doing, you know, you've got another goal here that, that I, that I saw that I'm, I'm, I've, I've heard about and it's the Moab 240. Like you're, I mean, it's like, you're all in, I mean, you're like a hundred. Yep. It's, it's a walk in the park. I don't, you don't want 240, you know? So is that, uh, is that yeah. something you have, uh, is that something you're planning on doing this year or still sort of kind of on the radar, something you're still building up to? Yeah. So, um, I would love to do it next year. I think I just want to like go all in and be like in the best shape possible. I feel like after running several run hundreds and doing that 48 hour, I definitely feel confident just knowing that I can do it. And, but I also just want to go in just like being in the best like shape that I possibly can be. I feel like 100s, I'm still such a new ultra runner that I feel like I have a ton to learn. And so I would just love to have a little more time just like learning, doing, you know, a few more in hundreds and just kind of like building that and learning all that I can. So I can just really go in and have as pleasant as I can experience with that. But yeah, Moab 240 is like a very hopeful near future goal of mine. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was actually, um, I was planning a trip. There was a trail festival uh, at, at Moab that was scheduled this year. And unfortunately, I think due to some permitting issues or something like that, it ended up getting canceled because that was one of the things that was on my radar for this year. Um, and I, I love, I've, I've driven through Moab and I've been out to, to Utah and just done, um, Bryce and uh, Zion and, you know, um, part of the Grand Canyon. I did that back in 2019 and it was just wonderful. It was beautiful. And for me, I, I've sort of kind of want to run in these very iconic, very memorable places, things that just, you know, cause if you're suffering, I think at the very least, you know, you might get a good view, right? <laughs> at least you can picture something sure. in the horizon <laughs> or something saying, well, at least I'm suffering, but I get a pretty view who gets to see this view, right? That's a motivation yes. right there. <laughs> um, so I, like I said, I've heard of, of the Moab, uh, two, And I think that's, that's an incredible goal. Um, so, you know, other things that, uh, that I know that you're kind of, uh, you know, involved in, as I've seen through social media, is that you're also a, a, a Brooks running ambassador. So, you know, mm-hmm. so we met as a, uh, you know, our, our paths crossed, you know, via social media because you were at the time, uh, you know, a, a rabbit ambassador. Now you're, you know, Brooks running ambassador and, you know, they use you know, the run happy, you know, hashtag and, 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 and slogan or, or, or uh, tagline. And I think that's one of the things that I see um, in you is that you are, happy. You are, you do run happy. Every time I see a social media post, you have this big smile on your face. And it's just <laughs> one of those things that it's like, it just kind of comes through. And, and uh, I, I love, I love seeing those because I think it's just one of those things that uh, seeing you enjoy that, you know, your run and what you're doing, I think helps others see that as well, especially once they get to know you and kind of your backstory and kind of what motivates you and kind of what you have gone through and to come out of all that, you know, now and just really kind of enjoying who you are as a, as a person and, and specifically more as a runner, what you get out of it, I think is inspiring others. So, you know, what kind of message would you give to other runners based on, you know, what you've learned and, and through running and just, you know, in general? Well, thank you for saying that. That's so nice. I appreciate it. Um, I think like the biggest thing is that your running should be about you um, and setting goals for yourself that make you excited and make you happy and not compare yourself to someone else. I feel like the running community is amazing, um, but I feel like it also is super easy to kind of compare yourself to someone else and maybe feel like discouraged sometimes, you know, you're both running a half marathon and so-and-so runs faster than you, you know, instead of feeling proud of yourself, you're like, oh, well, I didn't run as fast as her. Whereas like, for me, I just think like I set a goal for myself and I run because I want to, like, I'm not on Strava just because I want to stay focused on my own goal and it makes me excited. It makes me happy. I'm the first person to like cheer for someone else and want them to succeed. 
But I think every time I go into a race, it's never like, oh, I want to beat so-and-so. I want to get first place. It's like, oh, I want like this time and I want it for myself. So I think like when you're focused on your own goals and just, you know, what makes you happy and like being proud of that, whatever that is, whether that's a first time distance or a time goal or whatever, I just think you need something that excites you and motivates you and just do it because you enjoy it. You know, not everyone is going to be great. You're not always going to, you know, be motivated and like want to do it. But I think to like running also so great because you can run super fast. So you can just go out for an easy run and it's just something. It's an amazing outlet that you you get to meet amazing people. Um, but yeah, running should just like be about you. Uh, I think that's uh, that's awesome, and I think it's a great reminder because I know I've fallen victim to that comparison. You know, that took a little bit of that joy of, of running and, and other activities that I was doing um, because I started comparing myself to others. And um, not that I ever, you know, placed, you know, highly or, you know, as far as age group wins or anything like that, but there was always that, you know, start seeing familiar faces on the course and you kind of start seeing who your, your competition is. And, you know, all of a sudden you start judging yourself. And, you know, if you have a, a bad day, because we all have bad days, right? We're not always going to race at 100%. You know, things happen and, you know, I think, do think you, it's very easy to get down on oneself. And I think I started doing that for a bit. So now, you know, I, I barely, I, I tend not to, to race a lot these days. I still run, you know, and I mix that with cycling and other things. Um, but I don't do the race and, and then focus on my time. I, I've, I try to focus more on how did I feel? You know, was that a good run for me? Did I have a good effort? You know, and if I happen to mm-hmm. place in, in, you know, higher than I expected, then great. Awesome. You know, but for me, that's not, a, 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 you know, a, a motivation. Now, nowadays, it's more about the experience and going out for, you know, picking these, you know, certain races that I feel are either iconic, have a great view that allow me to kind of maybe even travel and do things that are that I feel are going to be more inspiring for me as opposed to a you know a, a time you know because we're not professional runners you know our you know w- you know we're not being judged on our success based on you know a, a medal or, or you know or we're not being compensated by a performance so why do we focus so much on 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 time you know so mm-hmm. um, so other things that I want to get to because I want to make sure that that you're able to kind of you know promote some of the things that you're passionate about. Um, so you've got a pen pal program. Uh, tell us a little bit about that because it, once again, it gets back to, you know, alopecia, but I, you know, it's, it's something that's very dear to you. And, and I seen some, some videos of you kind of reading that and some of those messages. And I think that's, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about that. So I started a pen pal program called Lindsay's Little Pals um, for kids and teens with alopecia, really just anywhere. I have pen pals all over the country and it's amazing. I feel like no race model can quite compare to my pen pals and just getting a letter and like what it means just to be a blessing to someone else. And I just know it would have made a world of difference to me when I was a kid to just not even know someone, but just even to be writing a letter to someone who has alopecia, who really knew what it was like for me. That was always the hardest thing is that people would be like, oh, I understand. And I would just always think like, no, you don't understand because you don't have alopecia. Like you don't actually know. Just the letters I've gotten, the connections. It's been amazing. Um, Yes, I've been helping all over the country, write letters all the time. And I just like love it. It's grown so much and it just means so much to me. Um, Just people are so supportive of it as well. Just sharing it with whoever they think could benefit from it. And yeah, so that's Lindsay's Little Pals. (laughs) So if anyone wanted to know more about this, if someone, you know, is out there that, you know, knows someone that has alopecia, you know, a a child or, or a teen or something like that, that wanted to be part of this program, how do they go about uh, learning more about it? And, you know, is there a website? Is there, you know, something that we could tell people? I'll put it in the show notes as well mm-hmm. so that people have that as a resource. Yeah. Um, so Instagram, um, I have a, my own Instagram page for it, my personal Instagram, um, email as well, um, lhwalter3 at gmail.com or Instagram, Lindsay Hannah 
three. Um, but yeah, it's the easiest way to get a hold of me um, or Facebook, just messages. But yeah, I'm pretty easy to find and get a hold of. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, I think it's, you know, it, uh, you know, getting to know you, I'm not surprised that you're giving back to others um, and trying to kind of help others um, where, you know, you didn't have that, you know, growing up. And I think you're trying to make that easier for others. Do you find now that because of social media, that it's, you know, that there's less of that isolation for these, you know, kids? Or is there more resources available for them? Is, is, are things better for them now than they were for you because of social media? Um, yes. So with social media, I feel like it is so incredible just the way you're able to see someone with alopecia, alopecia and reach out to them. It's you just see like so many more videos, photos, all that. So it's definitely a lot easier to connect with people. Um, just so many more like resources and awareness. You just see a lot more alopecia. Um, but you know, also with social media, there is a downside to it. Um, you know, I have dealt with a lot of bullying and just mean comments about social media. So I feel like it can be super great. And it is that's how I've been able to connect with a lot of people. But I will also say, like, just be aware that, you know, not everyone is going to be nice. And the more you're out there, the more your story is out there, your photos, whatnot, not everyone is going to be open minded and accepting. So just kind of be aware that like you will or you may not, but the chances of you receiving comments um, that aren't always nice are a lot greater. And just, you know, remember the truth and remember that there's like a community behind you who's supportive, but also just be aware that social media does have a downside to it. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, I think we all kind of, kind of know that and it's not, you know, isolated to just people that have alopecia. I think it's just anyone right. beh hiding behind the anonymity of, the internet, you know, uh, feels empowered to voice their opinion, um, where it's not, hasn't been asked, you know, and, and I, I don't know why people do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that at least, you know, there, there's individuals like yourself that are reaching out to these kids and trying to make, you know, you know, what they're going through with alopecia a, a little bit more, um, you know, a better environment than what you had when you were growing up and having a support system there to, you know, let them know that it's okay. And that, you know, there's, you know, they can be empowered by it through the work that you're doing through things that you've accomplished as, as a runner and empowering them to do whatever they feel that they could do, that it's not a limitation for them. And that's not something they should be ashamed of or, or hide behind or, uh, you know, to allow them to be their, their true self. So I think that's awesome with the work that you're doing. Um, I also know that you're raising money for make a wish, um, through the London marathon. So that's your, your 52nd marathon. And once again, like I said, you know, it's amazing what you're doing and, and you, you share your story and, and you're so giving of your time to share your story, but also to help others, um, you know, and so is there a way that people can help out through the Make-A-Wish, uh, um, you know, and uh, support you uh, at London Marathon? Um, well, thank you. It, yeah, I do have the link posted on my Instagram, just in my link tree. I believe it's maybe the second one. Um, I can also share the website with you as well, if you want to put it like in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know the link offhand. Okay. Well, I'll get, we'll get that. I'll get that afterwards. Uh, so no, no worries there. Um, Lindsay, thank you so much for, for sharing your story and being part of, uh, the, the podcast here. I do think it's, you know, while not everyone can, you know, truly understand what you've gone through. I think everyone at some point or another has understand what bullying, bullying is like, uh, maybe to not to the extent that you have, but can somehow relate a little bit of what you've kind of gone through and maybe they can empathize with some things that they've maybe have gone through uh, as well. But, uh, but also to be truly inspired by the work that you're doing, by your positivity, because I think that really comes through, especially when people get to know you. And I think that's, to me, that's awesome because I think I feel inspired as well. Um, and that's one of the reasons, selfishly, I like doing these podcasts is because I like talking to other <laughs> individuals. I need that inspiration. Um, I need that sometimes to help motivate me to do things, to step out of my comfort zone. So, um, and I've sort of kind of mentioned on the podcast, I think there's, there's a hundred miler in me and I know it's calling <laughs> me. I just haven't answered yet. And so I will, whenever I talk to someone that has done a hundred, uh, you know, or is an ultra marathoner, those are questions that are going to come up because I want to understand it because uh, to me, the mm -hmm. mind is one of those things that's just 
so much that's unknown, so much that is untapped. And the strength, I think, that we all have comes from, from, from our mind and what we choose to do with it, how we choose to use it. And so I'm fascinated by individuals that have kind of tapped into that to overcome things in their past, but also to overcome these very difficult physical challenges. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Just all the kindness and support. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, I will keep following you um, because I think, like I said, you're inspiring. And I look forward to when you do uh, the Moab 240. Uh, if it's next year or, or thereafter, <laughs> I will be cheering for you. Um, and uh, and I'll definitely reach out and uh, comment and keep supporting uh, the work that you're doing and your accomplishments. So thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. appreciate it. <laughs> all right. We'll be right back after this break. Big Peach now sells bikes at our Brookhaven and Midtown locations. Big Peach Ride and Run. We help get you into the right bike that fits you and your needs. Many of us enjoy being on two wheels as much as our own two feet. It's not only a great way to stay active and fit, it's also a great way to recover from long runs and have fun. We carry kids, commuter, mountain, gravel, road bikes, and more. No matter what you prefer, with brands like Giant, Live, a division of Giant that makes bikes exclusively for women, and Momentum, we've got whatever bike you're looking for. Stop by and check out the selection of bikes at Town Brookhaven or Midtown, right on Peachtree Street, or view our inventory online at BigPeachRideAndRun.com. And welcome back, man. I hope you got uh, as much as what I got out of uh, that conversation with Lindsay. She is, you know, truly a joy to, to, to speak with, um, you know, very inspiring, very positive and outgoing. And, you know, the, the fact that she continues to give back, you know, and to donate her time to speak about alopecia, to start a pen pal program, which we'll have the, a link to that uh, in the show notes to raise money for Make-A-Wish, um, um, you know, uh, when she runs the London Marathon. Um, truly a very uh, unselfish uh, individual, someone that I think, you know, is definitely inspiring me. Um, and like I said, I will uh, keep following her and see when she uh, reaches that goal uh, to do the Moab 240-miler. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think uh, I did talk to her a little bit offline and uh, she was willing to share what she knew about 100 miles um, and strategy and training uh, the day I decided to do one. So once again, you know, very um, giving and supportive of other people and, and their goals. And I just think she is just uh, a very unique individual and just truly inspiring. And uh, so uh, I hope you, you got a lot out of that conversation uh, like I did. So as I mentioned in the first segment, you know, there's things that I've, you know, working on as far as my goals and, and, you know, my running trail running goal, I've got that set for the first half of the year. And I'm trying to think of like, what am I going to do for the second half of the year? What are things that, that I'm, I'm looking at? Um, and I think part of that's going to go around, you know, cycling. So, you know, it's one of the things that I'm doing right now, um, may have mentioned the previous podcast, but I'm, you know, obviously, you know, started training on the bike and I'm going to use the, the bike sort of kind of cross train for my running as well, because I do think that helps, um, my running. Um, I ended up doing a, a race this past weekend and I just, I felt phenomenal, even though I hadn't run in two weeks from the last time I did a long run, the, my legs felt fresh. Um, I had been putting a lot of miles on the bike trainer and was doing a lot of, um, you know, zone two, you know, um, uh, you know, rides, but also some strength, um, and some things to help, you know, with my, um, raising my FTP and VO2 max and doing things that are going to support and transfer that type of bike work that'll, that'll carry over into my running as well. So, Cycling will continue to be a, a big uh, portion of my training, but you know there's things that I want to do as well. So one of the things that I you know found out um, for the um, Velo City, which is now called Move for Grady, that event will be back um, in um, in May, um, and I believe registration um, by the time of this releases will have opened up, and they've got a hundred miler, um, so a full century um, back on the on the on the schedule. So that is one of the ones that I will uh, sign up for uh, as soon as registrations opens up. So I'll, I'll do my f uh, first entry of the year. 
I think the earliest I've ever done a century, if I'm able to do that in May. Um, but prior to that, I do think it'll be the Tony Serrano. I'll wait until registration opens up for that. And the goal is to do 100 there. So that's in uh, early April and then another in May. So that's two 100-milers uh, um, back-to-back months, about four weeks apart, which should work very well. Um, and all my training, uh, you know, through the Atlanta Water Bike League and through riding on Zwift and the indoor trainer will help get me to that point. I'm also looking at a, uh, a hill and uh, descending camp that'll take place, I believe, in the end of March. So I need to get a little bit more information about that because at the end of the year, I do want to do uh, the Six Gap Century Ride. And that's a, a really tough uh, course, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, descending. And I want to make sure I'm able to have the skill set to, to ride down you know, um, you know, at, at, you know, in a safe and controlled manner. Um, and then I'll kind of see what other things I said. Uh, I think in the past I said something about doing the, uh, beautiful backroads, uh, century. So all those things that I think, uh, will be on the, on the calendar for me training for this year. So I hope that you are out there and, uh, also, uh, putting some things into your calendar and making plans and, uh, you know, and putting, you know, other, uh, you know, a system together uh, to support those goals. So whether it's another race, whether it's a training plan, um, to make sure that you're still at it and you're still keeping uh, up with that and uh, make sure that uh, that, that you're you know, sticking to those goals um, for the year. So whatever they may be. So, so until next time, keep running, keep riding, and keep believing in yourself. So long. Do you have a story or know someone with a story that can inspire, motivate, or even empower others? Email me at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. I want to share your story. Don't forget to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with others.